When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them a permanent family dentist. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee is going to improve the quality of your morning since it's rich in both CBD and CBG. It can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks. Whatever you need, their CBD infused coffee is going to have you feeling so much better. Reduce those chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, other things than that. Plus zero coffee jitters if you want three or four cups a day. Now you can get 25% off your first purchase at Strava Craft Coffee when you use code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me on day three of Hall of Fame week is a very special guest, a very notable author. Hopefully you've already enjoyed day one with Manny Randau as we talked about the class of 2022, both those PED guys, the implications for voting for players like Bonds, Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Manny Ramirez, as well as Pete Rose. Where does he fit in in the discussion? We do play Tacos and Tears, a very fun game with Manny. On Tuesday, Noah Yingling was on from Rock's Pile. We had the big conversation about that first class of Rockies Hall of Famers. Hey, yes, let's have a Rockies Hall of Fame. Let's get that done. And we go through the Hall of Fame ballot from the infielder's perspective. There's a few on the ballot. We break down each and every guy. But today, we have the author of The Case for Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, the untold and forgotten stories of baseball's home run king from Riverdale Avenue Books. It's K.P. Wee, who's also the author of Tom Candiotti, A Life of Knuckleballs, as well as a book on the 1988 Los Angeles Dodgers, aptly titled the 1988 Dodgers, reliving the championship season. He also has a biography that he co-wrote with John Cangelosi, the improbable baseball journey of the undersized kid from nowhere to World Series champion. You should know that name. He did play for the Rockies for, oh, I don't know, about a week. But nevertheless, he's a Colorado Rocky, and we've got KP Wee on. KP, so glad to have you here on the show today. Thanks for taking out some time to discuss your novel, The Case for Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, the untold and forgotten stories of baseball's home run king. Thanks for having me, Patrick. It's uh, great to be chatting baseball today. It is, right? You know, we there's a lockout, but guess what? We're going to be making the news today. <laughs> That's perfect. Love it. It is. Now, uh, you were born in Singapore. But you live in Canada now. So since this is a Rockies program, Got to start off right away. Meatball right down the middle. Did you find yourself pulling for Larry Walker a little bit there, the son of a of, of British Columbia, right? You're, you're now home province. Did you pull for him uh, in his 10th and final year for the Hall of Fame? 
Now, Patrick, you always want to see great players get their due, you know, in Cooperstown. And obviously, um, up in Canada here in British Columbia, where uh, Larry Walker is from, you know, people are all, were always pulling for him, wondering why he didn't make it in the Hall of Fame. I, I think it, it was great to, to get to see, you know, um, like a you know, great player like Larry get in the Hall of Fame. So that was fantastic. And he made it in his 10th and final season on the ballot. Um, great career, obviously, with the Rockies and start out with, with Montreal. And uh, got to play in the World Series with St. Louis um, near the end of his career. So I think uh, you know it was uh, great that uh, to see him get his due and and make it in his in his final year on the ballot. And as a guy in Larry Walker, who besides being great at baseball, loved hockey much like yourself. You've also written. You know, I didn't talk about all the hockey books that you've written, but you're a hockey and baseball guy. Uh, you're a two sport threat, KP, and uh, and you did write a really cool book. Uh, called Oh So Close, all about you know Canada's great teams uh, where they were so close to winning a championship. And of course, Larry's 1994 Montreal Expos team who had the best record in baseball before the 1994 strike. The last time we had a work stoppage, the symmetry is, is very interesting. The whole team ended up blowing up, so we'll never know what could have been. But you know, as you said, Larry has uh, quite the legacy up in Canada. Absolutely. Uh... You know, in in Montreal, like people think the '94 Expos should have won the World Series. I know you you made reference to that book I wrote years ago, but uh, you know, it, it's cool to think about that. But I think you got to play the games to determine who the champions will be. And I ne don't necessarily agree with the idea that the 1994 Expos would have won because uh, you know just you just never know right never know. injuries could have happened then the other team i've gotten hot but uh you know again um i guess for walker himself getting to play in the postseason with the rockies in the, the following year 95 right they made it uh, against the atlanta braves that, that was an exciting time for rockies fans i'm sure i mean series could have gone either way between the rockies and the atlanta braves um, but you know, there's just, it's just a hard thing to do, you know, to win in, in any sport. So I think, uh, you know, great that, uh, Walker got a chance to, um, play in the postseason, you know, a few times, you know, with the Rockies and like, like I said uh, earlier, uh, later on in his career with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but if you kind of talk to a lot of, uh, players or former players they feel like yo you know we should have won this year we should have won that year we could have we should have you know that's kind of what they think about i'm sure and uh you know whether it was uh the 94 expos or the 95 colorado rockies or whichever team even the 2002 san francisco giants um you know just uh i i think sometimes when you don't get a chance to win um you know some of those losses stick out and in, in the case of, of a labor stoppage i that that uh that would that was the first year that you know the expanded playoffs uh, were set to take place and a lot of teams had legitimate shots at it it's you know so hopefully you know um the current uh situation with the labor stoppage would uh you know would end soon but you, you just never know I got to ask, have you, before we get into our conversation about uh, your book that came out last May, 
have you have you gotten a chance to to come to America to see Cooperstown and, and ever go, you know, to the Hall of Fame? That's actually um, one of the things on my bucket list, so to speak. All right. Uh, so yeah, that Cooperstown is definitely something I want to check out. Um, you know, um, obviously at this time is a little bit tricky with with uh, what's going on, but uh, yeah, like um, you know, down the road definitely it it's. It's, it's an amazing place, uh, obviously, and uh, that definitely one of the things I, I would like to do for sure. Oh, that would be that would definitely be a very exciting thing, uh, an exciting trip to to go on. All right, so Barry Bonds, uh, as I mentioned again, the case for Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame by Riverdale Avenue Books uh, that you published last year. Barry Bonds, look, we all know his on-field resume, right? Home run leader, seven hundred sixty-two career home runs. Seven-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove Award winner. That's not disputable. I think when I when I when you look back at, when you look at his resume, you run down that list. You have to think about the perspective of from the youngest generation of fans who are now watching the game and are learning about the history. I think baseball fans are probably the most in touch with the history of the game of all the sports. Basketball fans do a really good job. I think they're very knowledgeable. Same thing with some, some hockey fans as well. But if you're a young baseball fan, you have to be scratching your head trying to figure out this double standard of how someone like Barry Bonds, who's one of the 10 best players of all time and the greatest left fielder of all time, according to Jaws, and though he played in the PED era, there are others of that generation that were not kept out of the hall for similar transgressions, regardless of the evidence, but tops among those being the man who reigned over the entire era, Commissioner Bud Selig, who got in immediately once he retired. So that's that can be a bit confusing probably for some of the younger fans there, how there's somewhat of a double standard. And there's a lot of double standards when it comes to Barry Bonds, as you uh, very well articulate in your book. Absolutely. You, you touched on that perfectly, Patrick. It, it is a bit of a double standard if you think about it. And it would be kind of foolish to think that there's nobody in the Hall of Fame right now who um, took PEDs. Or I, I, if I say it properly, it's um, it's it's kind of foolish to think that there's nobody like completely clean in, in the Hall of Fame. Um, and it goes back to you know if you if you listen to or if you watched um, Ken Burns's baseball documentary, the tenth inning, um, Washington Post columnist Tom Boswell said on camera that he once saw a player who's now in the hall of fame drink something at clubhouse which the player called a jose canseco milkshake quote unquote <laughs> and since uh, boz i was talking about um talking about this during a, a segment about steroids he clearly took that to mean um the so-called milkshake was full of pds you know uh that player apparently according to boswell is in the hall of fame and if what you know uh, he says it's true is, is that a PD user was elected to the Hall of Fame um, by baseball writers who currently believe that the world will end, you know, if a, if a PD user is elected to the Hall. So, um, and if you talk to, you know, other writers, um, they will tell the same thing. They believe that there are already PD users in, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so, the, and you mentioned, of course, but Seeley, who who oversaw the whole thing, the whole era, and you talk about let's say managers who benefited um, 
you know, from this. And just to bring up a couple of examples, Joe Torre, Tony La Russa, they're in the Hall of Fame. Um, so why are we punishing, let's, you know, say only Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who's obviously linked to Bonds in terms of, uh, you know, this PD controversy and it's the last year on the ballot. Our members here at the DNVR.com, you know you get a bigger beer when you come down to the bar on the corner of Colfax and York in Denver. We got drink specials three to six every day, appetizer discounts, those discounts on the drinks, as I said, with the bigger beer, you know that it's only 50 cents for your first month. If you're not already signed up to the DNVR.com, your annual membership gets you a free shirt at the DNVR Locker, DNVRLocker.com. Of course, we've got watch parties going on all the time, nuggets, abs, rams, and buffs for college basketball. It's a fantastic time at the DNVR bar. You know Breckenridge Brewery is what's on tap on the corner of Colfax in New York. So we're talking to Avalanche Ale, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter. Cool thing that they are doing with Breckenridge Brewery is they are donating a large part of their profits to the National Parks Conservation Association this year to help prevent those forest fires. They're also got the 15 can samplers of the Breckenridge Brewery's good company, Hard Seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. And yeah, now that the holidays are over, guess what? You wanna turn over a new leaf? Yet you're still a little bit beat up, you're still a little bit tired. So Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary, has the solution, and it's Wana. So no matter when you take them, Wana Optimal's fast asleep gummies will leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. That over-the-counter stuff is going to knock you out with powerful drugs that leave you in a fog, and you don't want that. So Wana's carefully calibrated formula contains 10 milligrams of CBD, just a hint of THC that will get the eyelids feeling heavy, five to 15 minutes and in zero minutes you can order wana optimals fast asleep gummies at lightshade.com and get 25 percent off with the code dnvr use code dnvr at any of lightshade's 10 denver metro areas so as you said kp this idea about performance enhancing drugs obviously this is a huge part of of the conversation like we i understand those folks who say no these people should not be let into the hall of fame or given a pass they they need to you know, serve some kind of penance and what have you. And I think in many ways, Bonds and Clemens, those guys have already served that for having to wait this long. But what we're trying to do here is to show more of the conversation and more of things that are behind the scenes. The fact that, again, with Commissioner Selig being in, we know sports is a business that's irrefutable, right? And PEDs were great for business in the 90s and early 2000s. The millionaires, the ballplayers, yes, we know that they benefited. But the billionaires who ran the teams in the league, they benefited even more. That's why it was allowed. Yes, we know it was illegal, but it was allowed within the game. Babe Ruth, he drank alcohol during Prohibition, which was illegal outside of baseball. But inside, who cares? Hank Aaron admitted to using greenies, right? And there's there's a double standard. And, you know... It, we, we're, get, we're getting into breaking it down. And, and as you said, Bonds and Clemens, they are linked forever. So a lot of the things that we say about Bonds, in many ways, they probably you know can be said about Clemens too, to a certain degree. Absolutely. And uh, Patrick, you mentioned Bay Ruth. Uh, even Bay Ruth has ties to steroids. Reportedly, he injected himself with a substance drawn out of sheep's testicles, if you believe that. It, you know, that was... That was reported back then. Um, and even steroids, that's not a recent problem because um, Tom House, who 
play in the 70s, and he was a longtime pitching coach for the Texas Rangers. He admitted to using steroids and claimed that the use of steroids was widespread during that time in the, in the 70s, right? Um, you mentioned amphetamines. Um, you know, amphetamine use started in the 1940s, from what I understand. It was widespread, um, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. So it is a bit of a double standard. And, and you think about not just um, performance-enhancing drugs, but even like Whitey Ford, uh, the Yankees Hall of Fame pitcher. You know, he uh, did something to the baseballs. You know, uh, he, he cut it with with his wedding ring, uh, put put stuff on the on the baseball to make it move. And you know, uh, Gaylord Perry, uh, a more recent ex- example. So I I think uh, you you know doesn't matter what era it is um in the generations before barry bonds before roger clemens you know players tried to get an edge on their opponents and that that's that's been the case ever since the start of the history of baseball um so it is unfortunate that you know you know the i think the winningest uh, right-handed pitcher since world war ii roger clemens um is being singled out being punished barry bonds you know we've talked about his uh, accolades his numbers uh you could make an argument that bonds um was the greatest player of all time the the, the goat so to speak in, in his sport so it, it's uh it's just uh unfortunate that again we're singling them out or uh, you know writers are singling them out because um because of their numbers and you hear the argument that, you know, of course they're going to get singled out. It's because they're breaking records or setting records and stuff like that. Um, but again, it, it just doesn't seem very fair when you, know, when you think about it. I love baseball history and I love how it's preserved uh, throughout MLB and throughout the game. And again, Cooperstown, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. But if you know anything about the history of baseball, it's that cheating, as you touched on there, KP, cheating has been a part of baseball history. And so if you understand that context, it's easier to avoid that holier than thou philosophy. I, I can remember specifically when it came out where Alex Rodriguez had taken steroids and I go, they've all, they're all doing it. Like that was the final straw. We already knew about bonds. We already knew about Clemens. Mark McGuire is one of my favorite players of all time. He had already come out that that information was already there. And Jason Giambi, I think by that point, the Mitchell report information had been leaked, but when it was a Rod, when it was the best player in the game who I wasn't a huge a Rod fan, but it was just this idea that if the best player in the game, is doing it at a time in which baseball is trying to say, no, 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 don't do that. That is all the information I need to say. You know what? They probably are all doing it. And so therefore that, that cleans the slate almost to a degree. And it was heartbreaking to have that realization, but in, in very short amount of time, I mean, it was probably a year or two. Yeah. I stayed away from the game. And I I think even in 2007, 2008, I didn't even go to a ball game because that hurt me. But, Again, realizing the, the history of the game and, and contextualizing it better can't be holier than thou and just say, you know what, this is a part of baseball's history and Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens are not the devil. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, fans like yourself were kind of um, turned off by the, the, this whole thing, but this whole 
um, scandal or this whole era, if you will. But as as um, you put it at the beginning, it, it is a business and it is entertainment. Um, we want, you know, as fans, we want to see players hit the long ball, right? You know, ESPN or whatever network isn't going to show a bunt, right? Uh, you know, we all love to see balls fly out of the ballpark and, uh, you know, home runs, strikeouts for pitchers, you know, those were more, I guess, sexy, if you will. Right. Uh, so it's unfortunate in, in, the, in the fact that, you know, I guess these baseball heroes, I don't want to use that word, but, you know, you, you get a, you get what I mean. But these heroes that we grew up with in our childhood, you know, we find out, well, wait a minute, he did what again? I, I guess the thing is we shouldn't put uh, athletes or anybody on a pedestal. Uh, you just we just need to understand that. They have this compete level that, you know, I guess it's hard to understand if you're not an athlete yourself, that they have this compete level that if you're the best, you want to be the best and you're going to do whatever it takes to stay at that level, right? Um, and the thing is, you know, with, with the Hall of Fame specifically, um, I think that I speak for a lot of people when I say that the Hall of Fame is a museum, is not a shrine. Right, we we have racists in the, in the Hall of Fame. Um, we have, you know, um, abusers um, in in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's not a place for saints. It's not a play. It's not a shrine. It is a piece of, in this case, baseball history, um, and it is a museum. You know, it's uh, players that put up the numbers, and they were the best of their era or even the best of all time in, in the case of uh, among the best of all time in the, in the case of Bonds and Clemens um, they should be in, in the Hall of Fame and again you know the, this thing with cheating um, who's doing it who's not doing it we'll never know um, you know we, we can't assume that um, you know certain players didn't do it or we on the other hand, we can't just just say everybody cheated. You know, maybe maybe Jose Canseco was right when he said, I don't know what percentage he used, but more than half of the players were uh, were on something, you know, back then. I mean, that that's what the game was. And uh, you alluded to earlier, um, you know, it's just that the billionaire owners saw a great thing happening. They were making a lot of money. So, um within the context of the sport it was not cheating everybody well not not everybody but um a lot of players are on the same playing field so to speak because uh you know certain you, you look at the mitchell report right? there were a lot of pitchers who who were using peds a lot of hitters and the mitchell report didn't even cover all of baseball, you know, it was, uh, there were select teams um, that I guess were busted or certain players were busted, but not, not, it didn't cover everybody. It was just maybe unfortunate that uh, only certain players were singled out in that, that, you know, it's just, uh, again, you know, I, I think it's important to understand why do we like watch baseball? Well, it's because it's entertainment. We want to see, the greatest athletes 
perform at their best. Maybe they use whatever, but that's been, you know, that has been the case from the start of baseball history. You know, athletes want to want to have that edge, and they do whatever it takes to, you know, to to win or to uh, hit that home run or to to get that hit. Yeah, look no further than the Houston Astros because all those people are other than Carlos Beltran, who's been the one uh, left on the outside, but they're they're all still in baseball. They're still doing their thing in various places. So if as as crazy as that may have all been, and it was we can understand the history of baseball and how that works. And so you did a good job of acknowledging a uh, great job of acknowledging Bonds's transgressions and the acknowledgements uh, of, of your book, the case for Barry Bonds in the hall of fame, the untold and forgotten stories of baseball's home run King. And, but what you do and, and what you state is your goal is just to inform voters on Bonds since this is his last go around, like it was for Larry Walker and, uh, we had a gentleman here in, in, in our region, uh, Manny Randall, who was a guest previously on the DNVR Rockies podcast, where he helped make that push for Larry Walker. And and so, you know, you talk about the double standard and you talk about, you know, voters really giving him a fair shot. Like when it comes to the conversation about his postseason play, my take on postseason play is yeah, even if you know you're not as good as you were in the regular season, which was the case a little bit for Bonds, that shouldn't be counted against a player. I think great postseason play should benefit a player, but it just shouldn't penalize a player. Absolutely, Patrick. And uh, the thing, of course, is people um, like to bring up the fact that uh, he could throw out Sid Breen in uh, 1992 <laughs> NLCS or. You know, he couldn't get to the ball in the World Series in 2002 in Game 6 against the Angels. Um, you know, great players have, uh, quote-unquote, melted down in the, in the playoffs. You know, it's just that uh, in that era in baseball, not that many teams make the postseason. And if you I, – I actually did a little um, research on this for the book, but I think if I, want, if I got it correctly, in the first – 14 seasons uh, for Bonds in San Francisco, the Giants were either first or second like 10 times, which is incredible if you think about it, right? Uh, so being first or second in the division, like 10 out of the first 14 years or whatever it was. But again, in those days, if you're in, if you're in second place, um, you didn't make the playoffs if you weren't the wild card team. And back in those days, there was either no wild card or just one wall cart you know participants um so the the, the context you know is important in the sense that uh, it, during that time period it was difficult to make the playoffs and um even the greatest players you know had uh, you know difficult times when postseason play comes and you, you shouldn't penalize them and i touched on it in the book but uh, jeff bagwell um uh, Biggio, Craig Biggio, right? They had multiple playoff failures in back-to-back-to-back years. Uh, Frank Thomas, uh, even Edgar Martinez. Edgar Martinez is remembered for that double against the Yankees, but then in the next series, he hit under 200. And, uh, and I know that uh, in some other playoff uh, series down the road, Edgar didn't, um, you know, put out great numbers. And, you know, you, those are not 
brought up, you know, against those great players. It's just that it seems like uh, perhaps, again, there's this double standard because Bonds was known to be standoffish with much of the media. So I, I think that, you know, it seemed like the media liked to magnify his failures more. Um, it just, that's my take on it. But, you know, great players, you know, have uh, even the greatest players, they do sometimes uh, fail to deliver in the playoffs. And I just ran a few examples right there, you know, um, in, in that same era. So, yeah, absolutely, Patrick, you, you shouldn't count that against him. I think all those guys you mentioned too that that struggled, they at least had a little bit of benefit of lineup support. You know, you go back and look through, you know, who who else Barry Bonds had either protecting him in the lineup or around him. You know, Jeff Kent approached his level a little bit, but again, that's towards the end. Matt Williams, Bobby Bonilla when he was with Pittsburgh. Even if you talk about, you know, some of the pitchers like a Bill Swift, Doug Drabeck, Jason Schmidt, like these guys maybe aren't even in the hall of very good. And so there's a lot of pressure that was heaped on bonds and, and he was ascended to a, another level of the spotlight that I, we really don't get to see in modern era. And, and I want to tell you about what the numbers, what he did in, in 2002 in that world series, because they are, and you know them, I know you know them KP, but for everyone listening at home, these numbers are astounding. But I first got to tell you about Ball Aerospace and Technology, especially because they're hiring right now for $27 an hour. They're looking for folks to work on their manufacturing plant in Golden. Production technicians, just go to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden and get comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire, 401k retirement, stock purchase ownership program, annual bonus potential. Look, so many benefits for working for a great company here in Colorado, like Ball. So just text Golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to their open positions or go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. And take your hard-earned paycheck and buy yourself a home with the expertise and support of Chevalier Mortgage. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal just to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. That's probably the biggest hurdle so many new homeowners have is it is a stressful experience, but guess what? Chevalier Mortgage strives to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind with the highest level of integrity, always putting borrowers first. They got a cool perk right now for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options, even if you already own a home. Guess what? Prices are going up, so there's a bubble out there. You got natural equity in your home. Don't be afraid to contact them as well. Contact Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or visit www.dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. That's right, any team, 56 to 1 odds. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? That's fine because you can still get in on the action with same game parlays. You can buy multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. In the 2002 World Series, besides hitting four home runs, six RBI, no one was on base in front of him, Bonds was walked 13 times. Almost half of his plate appearances, 13 out of 30 plate appearances, he walked. He had a 700 on-base percentage. Unbelievable. You know, managers were just afraid to, to pitch to him. And the same with pitchers, right? I, and you look at um, Babe Ruth. Uh, I remember uh, reading a quote from back in the day when Babe Ruth was in the World Series. Uh, John McGraw, the New York Giants, uh, were facing the Yankees. And John McGraw was quoted as saying, like, we're not afraid of uh, Babe Ruth. We're just going to pitch to him. He's no better than, like, you know, the fifth hit, fifth best hitter in the National League, right? We're going to pitch him. We're just going to throw him slow stuff, get him out, right? You know, maybe it was a different era, obviously, but um, managers, pitchers weren't afraid of Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, another guy who uh, struggled in, in his only World Series appearance. Ted Williams hit 200 in the, the 1946 World Series for the Red Sox. But, um, but yeah, Bonds was just, they just walked him and walked him and walked him. They were afraid of him. They didn't want Bonds to uh, to beat them. And you, you mentioned earlier, Patrick, that the fact that Bonds didn't have a lot of protection in the lineup. And that's why they kept walking him. Uh, and the thing is, you can imagine it's difficult to be standing at the plate knowing that they aren't going to pitch to you, right? Like even, you know, the, the best hitters of that era, Um you can't imagine them just taking walk after walk after walk. I know I reference this in the book as well, but um, Jose Canseco once was walked like seven consecutive times. And then he, the, the eighth time, uh, he, he didn't want to walk anymore. He just kept swinging and he <laughs> struck himself out. But, you know, it, it, it ha- you have to be that patient to or have the discipline to be up there Knowing that there aren't, they're not going to pitch you and just take it, right? And um, Bonds, and that's not Bonds. Bonds's style was he he could be patient enough to wait, you right. know, which is is a skill, and he should be credited for. And you know, and this is where we can shift the conversation to his relationship with the media or his his teammates and things of that nature. But you know what? Him walking is saying, "All right, the next guy on deck, I I would I feel more comfortable taking the free base." And saying, hey, whether it's Kent, whether it was someone like who had a breakout year in Rich Aurelia, hey, you're up behind me, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a shot. I'm not I don't need to do everything. I'm gonna give you that opportunity because I think we have a better chance to win if I'm not you know making an out, uh, you know, seventy percent of the time. I'll I'll take the walk. The on base percentage is a key figure. So, you know, you you mentioned in this the book about the tumultuous relationship with the media. And I think people would maybe be a little surprised to know where that originated from. And it, and it happened to do really long before Barry Bonds was even drafted and and was a professional baseball player. Right. Uh, As the story goes, um, you know, Bobby Bonds, uh, Barry's father 
you know, Bobby Bonds was a superstar in his own right. And, um, you know, the media wasn't kind to him. And uh, Barry was a young kid and he saw this in the, in, in the clubhouse because he was uh, brought into the Giants clubhouse um, when Bobby Bonds was a player. And, you know, Barry apparently learned from Bobby Bonds and learned from Willie Mays, his godfather, you know, that, um, you know, being uh, the best player in the game matters, you know, understanding the game matters but you know you're not gonna you're not gonna help yourself if you're nice to the media or if you're nice to you know um the reporters that want to you want to write trash about you right so uh unfortunately uh he learned that as the story goes he learned that at, uh, from a young age from his father and from the great willie mays um, you know, who wasn't known to be kind to the media either, but um, it's, it's that's how it, it started. And I, you know, I've listened to a, an interview that that Barry Bonds did um, on on a podcast somewhere where he explained that you know, he was not, you know, he was not like an outgoing person. Like he kind of considered he kind of made an analogy of like a like a com- computer nerd or a computer person who just wants to do his job doesn't want to talk to other people kind of like an introvert if you will right yes. so for him the way he explained it for him it was like playing baseball was a kind of a performance it was like entertaining the fans and he didn't want to do anything that was going to distract him from playing the game like giving his best performance on the field and the way he talked about it is it was like concentrating for three hours or four hours during the game. And he didn't want to be distracted um, by reporters or anybody, you know, wanting something from him because the way he saw it, his job description was to entertain on the field. And that's kind of what he wanted to be judged on based on how he did on the field. And again, you know, athletes aren't um not not all athletes are like that but you know but they're not unique in a sense that there are other superstars who kind of were similar in that sense but maybe we don't get to hear about like i i know a great example uh, about the 1988 dodgers um kurt gibson right apparently he was Similar in a way that, you know, when it was game day, if he didn't want to talk to the media, he would just tell the reporters to go away because he had a job to do. And that was, you know, to help the Dodgers win that night, you know. So, I mean, that was just one example. But uh, you can imagine that uh, there are um, a lot of athletes like that who, you know, I guess if you want to use the word quote unquote jerk, if if you want, um, I guess it seems like the double standard is that Barry Bonds was always singled out. Um, you know, it, if you talk about another sport like Michael Jordan, um, nobody wanted to write anything bad about Michael Jordan, but, you know, uh, you, you've, we've all kind of read, you know, things like that, but it was just um, underreported, if you will, because not a lot of people wanted to, you know, offend Michael Jordan. But, you know, the, the, the star athletes, a lot of them seem to have that kind of uh, 
you know, um, mindset. Well, you know, if I'm going to give my best, I don't want to be talking to reporters, you know, during my quote unquote, like free time or non on the court time or off, off the field time. So again, it's just that unfortunately in the case of Barry Bonds, that seemed to be, um, very much well publicized. Like, you know, he didn't get along with the media. He was standoffish. Or the fact that he had like four or five lockers in the Giants uh, clubhouse. And uh, again, there are other players or there have been other players who were like that, but you don't hear about it because, you know, it was Barry Bonds that is a big name that's doing that. So he gets he gets talked about. Um, you know, the example I wrote in the book was, you know, one example was like Brad Boone in Seattle. He he apparently had the same deal. He you had like three lockers or whatever the case is, but you don't really hear about it because, you know, Brad Boone is not Barry Bonds. Um, so. Yeah, I love that you, you mentioned that with the with the extra lockers, because I think a lot of fans might be surprised to know that this is kind of common practice. Now, maybe not four or five exactly, but, you know, here in Colorado, Arenado, Ian Desmond, Danny, Daniel Murphy, Trevor Story, they all had a second locker. They all had one, you know, no name plate on. It was just extra equipment. Uh, they would and they would typically be all next to each other. So they had a locker on each side of them. Only one of them was theirs, but you get the idea that, hey, they, they had extra space to them. And so mm-hmm. it, it's commonplace, it's a lot more so, but you're right. It was just focused in on Bonds. And, you know, I, I, I might be coming off as like a huge Bonds guy. I'm not. But what I am is, is one that's in favor of seeing the whole picture and, and getting evidence and uh, getting, getting to the truth of, of – what's real and and i also don't have a problem with him being in the hall of fame in the first place this is for anyone that might not understand the whole story as you said with michael jordan we got to see that firsthand you know right at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 with the last dance that great documentary on jordan and how you know he there was a lot more going on behind the scenes i think than people realize and whereas with bonds people would publicize that and yet in an era only like 10 years earlier it wasn't publicized for a guy like Jordan, you reference in the book that, you know, only in 2020, Sam Smith, a sports writer who covered the Bulls, you know, had a story stating that one time on the plane, Michael Jordan said, hey, Horace Grant, you don't get to eat. Like literally told, you know, uh, the, the flight attendant, you don't get to eat. You had a bad game. Don't feed him. But it didn't get reported because as, as the players would say, you, you can't say that about Michael Jordan, but you could about Barry Bonds. And whether we like it or not, I think that impacts some voters, and I think that input impacts some fans when they think, ah, Barry Bonds, they just shoo him to the side and say, nope, leave him out. There's more to this than than meets the eye. Right, and yeah, and likewise, Patrick. Thanks, thanks for um, referencing that. Likewise, you know, Bonds has done things that, you know you know, that were, you know, that showed a gentle side to him, but he just didn't want people to know about it. Right. Um, and that's covered in the book, but yeah, absolutely. That, that situation with, um, Michael Jordan, um, you know, it took years before, you know, before that writer actually talked about it publicly, but, uh, it just goes to show that there are a lot of things that, uh, 
don't get reported uh, with other star athletes or other athletes in general because you, either you don't want to upset that particular athlete or maybe um, the athlete in question is not a big name. So, uh, but it seems like with Bonds, it, it just, you know, we hear more of the negative things than, um, than the positive uh, things that he's done. And also, you know, uh, for me, I, when I wrote this book, it's uh, also, you know, I, I don't think it's a way to change anybody's mind, but just to get that story out there. Because, you know, as sports fans, once we are set on something, you know, we have our own takes. We're not going to, you know, listen to the other side if we're convinced we're right. So I, I don't, I don't have any, um, uh, I don't, I don't. I don't have a goal of like changing people's minds, but I just want to get that story, those stories out there and just kind of show both sides of it or show the other side that is not, um, you know, not told as much or is, or is forgotten. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I was not a Giants fan, right. Uh, was not a Pirates fan, but you know, it's just uh, Austin Red Sox fan. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and you alluded to earlier, Patrick. You know, whether it was Doug Drabag or Bill Swift or Jason Schmidt, John Burkett, those guys maybe had one great year, one or two great years. Um, but the Pirates or the Giants, um, you know, second half of of Bonds' career, they never had you know that kind of outstanding pitching that you later saw with the. Uh, Giants teams of like the 2010s, right? They won three World Series titles in, in that decade. So it's just, uh, you know, I guess the the good thing for San Francisco Giants fans is, you know, even though they didn't win a championship during that whole era with Bonds, at least they got to see uh, one of the greatest players of all time patrol left field for them, um, you know, for that, for that time period. Yeah, too bad Tim Linscom was only about, 15 years old in 2002. Otherwise, maybe that that rotation would have <laughs> gone pretty, gone a little bit further. But as you talk about here, and this dovetails nicely to the kind of the final piece of the untold story of Barry Bonds, is the relationship he had with teammates. And again, being an introverted player, you know that rubbed some of his teammates the wrong way. But not everyone felt like you know it was one against. 24, you know, as, as was reported on, you know, you go back and you look and you say, see his 700th home run and he steps on home plate and his teammates were not there to greet him at home plate. And you would think, well, obviously that is very indicative of how all of his teammates felt, but you spoke to some of his teammates who didn't feel that way, who, who wanted to be out there for him and wanted to support him and even apologize for it afterwards, because look, they were maybe outnumbered or look, they didn't have the seniority to say, Hey, we, this is our teammate. Like he's, he's a part of our club. We're just going to let him, you know, go out there and not celebrate him. You know, there were players that, that had a good relationship with him. And, and, and you touch on that uh, in, in the book. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, Dustin Moore uh, was a fourth outfielder. Uh, I believe it was a 2004 Giants team. Uh, he was there for one year, and I had a lengthy conversation with Dustin Moore. Again, not an all-star, you know, not um, a household name, um, let's say, but, you know, a fourth outfielder, and Bonds took the time to help Dustin Moore out and took him down 
for extra hitting um, one time because Dustin was, uh, you know, struggling. Uh, and Dustin Moore didn't ask Barry Bonds to to help him. Bonds just offered and just took him down to the batting cage and did some extra hitting. And, uh, you know, Moore was one of the guys that wanted to go out there at home plate uh, to, to greet Bonds for the 700 home run. But he was told specifically by some of the, players who had seniority on you know on that team like you better not go out there um you know you know that that kind of stuff happens but if you looked at um you know maybe it was the 70th home run um or the the 71st home run the one that um, broke the single season all-time home run record Uh, so some of those those other milestones you know his teammates ran out to to high five him greet him so it was, you know, it was uh, perhaps, again, uh, some members of the media trying to cherry pick one incident when nobody came out to greet him. Uh, but there were other, you know, important home runs or, you know, those milestone record-breaking home runs where his teammates did come out and uh, congratulate him. So, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, and you and we can all, you know, find those on YouTube, those, those clips. It's just... Um, Again, just un- unfortunate, but uh, it, it happens, you know, in every walk of life, right? It, you know, it was, uh, whether it was, let's say, somebody saying hi to Barry Bonds, a teammate saying hi to Barry Bonds, and he maybe didn't acknowledge the teammate one day. But that happens in all walks of life, you know. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, I say hi to the co-worker. He or she just ignores me for whatever, whatever reason. Okay, life goes on. I mean, you know. That it's just uh, again we as sports fans we tend to um, treat athletes as heroes or put them on a pedestal, where, whereas they're just humans like you and you and me. You know, could be having a bad day or could be moody one day. Uh, just don't want to talk to people that day. It's, you know, just uh, don't take it personally. I, I guess, uh, that, but that happens in the clubhouse as well, in, in the locker room, right? If there are 25 players, you know, you're not going to get along every, every day. You know, not everybody's going to be friends, but, you know, they all have to kind of pull for each other to do well. So uh, if, let's say, some teammates wanted him to fail, you know, then that affects the team. So, yeah, I agree. It, it wasn't the case of one versus 24, like some writers um, pointed out. It, it, it wasn't like that, no. And, and that, that ties in really nicely with an incident that happened with Jeff Kent where, okay, they got into it a little bit, but why they got into it wasn't like widely reported. And yet it involves a, a party that's currently a, a – national league manager right now in the game and that's bond standing up for another teammate that's why he and jeff kent got into their little scrap yeah that's that's right what what's forgotten or underreported was the fact that bonds was supporting david bell their third baseman and kent was apparently yelling at david bell um because of uh, i guess a a mistake that uh, bell had made on the field um and Bonds was sticking up for David Bell, like, uh, you know, like, don't, uh, don't go get into David Bell's face, right? Or, and Kent didn't like that. And and another guy who, uh, you know, who gets the benefit of the doubt, 
um, in the sense that he and Bonds were very much alike. Uh, in the in you know, Kant was also moody and made some uh, made some offensive comments to reporters that that was published in the papers, but nobody remembers or talks about it, right? Um, Kant, um, you know. I guess it was a motorcycle um, incident that he that had. Too, that, yes, that <laughs> he, gets a, he gets a pass for an indiscretion that an African American ball player, uh, you know, is probably going to get raked over the coals unfairly. Yeah, and, and there was a there was another incident where Kent um, didn't didn't acknowledge another teammate when they ran to each other at at a daycare for their kids. Uh, that that was reported by um a writer in san francisco but you know that gets glossed over uh, it, it's just you know uh sure like bonds was surly um was not uh friendly to the media but um there are, are other players like the other teammates like that it's just we just only get to hear about this with bonds and uh less with uh other I guess less talented um, members of of that team. It's I guess because Barry Bonds is Barry Bonds because uh, people wanted to pick on him because you know he was uh, he was a superstar. Yeah, you can read all about that uh, in KP's book from Riverdale Avenue Books, the case for Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame, the untold and forgotten story stories of baseball's home run king, and also the KP We podcast where you interviewed Dustin Moore, guy who played with the Colorado Rockies here in Denver. So there is, is that connection. Same thing with John Cangelosi. He finished up his career in Colorado. He also had some nice things where he was taken care of by bonds, you know, uh, back when they were in Pittsburgh. So, you know, he, he's been bonds has been, you know, made into this really bad guy and okay. Even if he isn't hall of fame worthy as, you know, we want, as you said, players are put on a pedestal and we want Hall of Fame humans in the Hall of Fame. But we have to be honest and say, okay, there, there's no such thing as that. There really isn't. And when, when you think of all of this, this bigger picture and, and you go into so much more detail, it's, uh, it, it's very impressive you know, re- getting a chance to, to read your novel. But uh, all about Barry Bonds and, and the full picture, we, we barely even scratched the surface, I feel. On, on a guy who there's been a lot of double standards for and is currently right now, I don't know if you've noticed, I don't know if you've been following along with Ryan Thibodeau and the, the Hall of Fame draft tracker, but as of Sunday morning, Bonds is currently sitting at 77.5%, Clemens at 763 uh, Interestingly enough, I think last year was the first time Bonds had gotten more votes than Clemens, so they've always been like, next to each other by like two to four votes. And so uh, Clemens was dropped off of John Heyman's ballot as well as Christina Carl's ballot, the founder of Baseball Prospectus. And so right now, as it stands, he's got the votes to get in. We know the private ballots that haven't gone out yet usually are a little bit more conservative. And so it'll be close. KP, what do you think? Is is Bonds going to get in this year? Well, Patrick, if you read what uh, others have been have written about this uh, about this Hall of Fame tracker, uh, yeah, the, the those who the writers who are more conservative, yeah, like those are the guys that, or those are the writers that um, you know typically didn't vote for Bonds or Clemens. 
of you believe the, those articles that are out there um, now, it seems like both Bonds and Clemens will fall short. Um, but again, you know, it would be a shame. But, uh, you know, I guess if you believe that the Hall of Fame is a museum and not a shrine and that the best players should get in, um, then you should keep your fingers crossed. Have you thought about if he doesn't get in this year, if I, I, I don't know if it's 2022, I, I forget what the first year is that he's going to be eligible. It could be, it could be uh, next year. So at the end of this year, he's on the today's era committee. I'm not sure when he's first eligible for that, but could you see him getting in his first time on one of these veteran committees? Like, do you think his, his peers are going to, want to vote him in and ultimately want to hang out with him. Cause there's, that's an element that doesn't really get discussed about these veterans committees is, Hey, if we vote this guy in now, we got to hang around with them. Do, do we want that? You know? Well, <laughs> that's a great point. Now, <laughs> I guess you have to kind of think about who's going to be on the committee because, uh, you know, in recent years we've seen, um, you know, people get uh, elected, um, by these veteran committees, and it seemed like there was, you know, a, a big supporter there to to kind of uh, sway the votes or sway the you know the, the voting members of the committee. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Harold and, Gaines, we're talking about you, buddy. <laughs> and not to get too uh, into that too much. Uh, it, it's just, I, I guess you you uh, hope that um, you know that whether it's Bonds or Clemens, both of them, uh, you hope that they get their due, you know, that, that, that recognition and what seven MVP awards uh, for Bonds, seven Cy Youngs for, for Clemens. You, you got to have them in, uh, in, in the hall in Cooperstown. Uh, so, so when I get to go and visit Cooperstown, I uh, hope to see their, uh, their plaques on in, in there. But uh, yeah, if it goes down to the, to the veterans committee um hopefully that that they have a strong support and again i think if you if you listen to current players right current players they don't have a problem with putting bonds in or clemens in because uh you know for players today they they know that uh hitting a baseball that far or or throwing you know 90 plus 100 plus mile per hour pitches that's not easy the current players know that if if we were up to the current players those two would be in for sure uh, but we'll just have to see uh, what these uh, veteran committees do you know in the event that um, bonds and clemens do not get in uh, on on this 10th and final year on the ballot kp i think we sold a couple books today i'm hoping so <laughs> I'm hoping that was that was that was a, a small part of the goal for today's uh, show and, and interview and conversation. So feel free to take an opportunity to go ahead and plug away any anything you would like uh, for for people to check out for all things KPWE. Where should they be looking? Uh, well, thanks, Patrick. Uh, Amazon would be the place to find my books, and uh, you know th this one about Barry Bonds, um, that you, as you mentioned, came out last year. Uh, so if you're a baseball fan, uh, you know. I think that you like you you should check it out. Um, wrote, I wrote a book about the 1988 Dodgers, um, one of the Rockies, you know, rivals in the National League West. 
uh, that book's out there as well. Um, John Kendralosi, uh, his biography, a, a former Rocky uh, for, I guess, half a season in his last year um, in the big leagues. And uh, Amazon.com is where you can find those books or your favorite online retail bookstore. Uh, yeah, so thanks thanks for uh, supporting me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great to chat baseball any, any time of the year, a, any day of the week, Patrick especially in the off season when we don't have the news and, and during a lockout, I'll, I'll leave a link in this podcast description too. So you can head on over to Amazon, pick up a copy uh, for you or, or a friend all about the untold story about Barry Bonds's case as one of baseball's greatest hall of famers, if not the, or rather greatest home run hitters uh, of all time. So uh, you can follow KP at KP. We make sure you're following his podcast as well. I'm at Patrick D Lyons. You can follow us for all Rockies and baseball content at DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter. And, well, for DNVR Sports, you know what they say, momentum, it's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then.